Be the things you loved most about the people who are gone. Anonymous. Just a good old boy trying to be a good old man out here learning on the fly trying to do the best I Hello and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast with Perry Hughes. Perry, how are you this morning? Fantastic, brother. Enjoying this crispiness. How are you? Yeah, the crispiness for sure. Winter is upon us. And I also want to welcome to the show a very, very special guest. I have been looking forward to this episode because of who we get to talk to. Now, the topic we're going to be discussing is perhaps a little bit weighty. I'll introduce that more thoroughly here in a moment. But Lois Ann Murray, welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Well, And you're looking very... Christmassy for those who can't see her <laughs> because you're only listening to her. Uh, you always show up well. I'm talking somewhat informally to her because she is my aunt, but more than that, she is a certified grief recovery educator. And that's why we have her on because today we're going to be talking about grief and navigating grief during the holiday season. As you know, if you've listened to the last few episodes, we're doing Christmas-themed episodes in the month of December this year, and we've had a lot of fun in the last couple of episodes, and we've talked about preparing our families for the fun and the joy of the Christmas season, and yet there's also the reality that the holidays can be challenging for certain families as well. And so we wanted to talk about that today on this episode as we discuss grief and how to help our families deal with that and handle that and maybe ourselves personally deal with that, especially if we're have just experienced some loss perhaps heading into this holiday season. And so so that's what we are going to be discussing. As I mentioned, she is a, a grief recovery educator where she she just specializes in helping people in emotional pain learn the tools and steps necessary to heal their pain so that they can move forward. So with all of that, I I'm anticipatory, I guess would be the right way to say about this conversation. And as I've actually been thinking about what we're going to be discussing, some things have surfaced even in me that I have realized I have grieved in the past during the holiday season. And even this year in grieving in the holiday season, uh, we'll get there. Here's my first question though, for you, Lois Ann. It, so do you guys watch Hallmark Christmas movies? Perry, Lois Ann, do you get, are you guys into those? I do some. Okay. Yes. Is, is Elf, does Elf count as a Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movie? Elf is a Christmas movie. I don't think it's one of the cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies that my wife starts watching in October. So I guess maybe I'm talking to the wrong audience. We're, we're, we're big into them. Melanie just devours all of them. And there are about three cookie cutter templates that all of the movies basically follow, right? It's basically just different variations on the one theme. But probably the biggest theme, at least that I pick up on, is there's one character who has had something happen to him or her during the holiday season, perhaps, a loss, usually, perhaps the loss of a spouse. Something happened that sours them to Christmas, and now they hate Christmas, and they're the bah humbug character, and they don't they don't want to put up a Christmas tree, and, they're, and they just don't want anything to do with it. They essentially have shut down, and Christmas is no longer fun for them. It's not something they want to do because it reminds them too much of what they have lost and what's they want, what they once had. And then the other character comes in and brings joy and Christmas spirit back into their lives and they fall in love and move on happily ever after. And so they're fun. They're fun movies. But my question for you, setting the stage with that 
story is to say, why does it seem like grief tends to be exacerbated during the holiday season? Well, it's because it's full of memories and traditions, and there's so much pressure or perceived pressure in our culture to celebrate, be happy, uh, shop for gifts, go to events, and um, it's it's those triggers that are out there bombarding us more than we have perhaps other seasons to be happy. And, the, and then there's also the gathering with families, the traditions that we've come to count on every year, and perhaps a person who was responsible for that tradition is no longer with us. So it, it, the void or gap of not having a loved one in our life during that holiday season is, is just more apparent. There's probably a conflict there too, right? Because... On the one hand, I can imagine that getting together with family, support system, some of those traditions could be good, could be maybe a little bit healing and therapeutic. You have other loved ones who can help navigate you through that, and yet it's also sort of shining it in your face, so to speak. Let me, uh-huh. let me ask you this, and you can maybe touch on that in the context of, maybe you can start by sharing your story a little bit, because you lost your husband not too long ago, right after Christmas. And so you had a whole year, but then the holidays come back around. What was that like for you? And maybe share your story a little bit as we then touch on other aspects of grief. Well, as you know, I was married to my high school sweetheart and um, to, to my husband, Deck. And we had been married 40 years when he died. Um, so I not only lost my partner, but I lost my best friend, our family travel agent, the person who organized everything in our home, paid the bills. It was a huge take you to your knees loss for me, as it is for many people when they lose their life partner. Um, after Jack's death, during the first year, Uncle Jack, Jack was a guest on your podcast, sent me a series of books that Stephen Ministries um, created. It's called Journey Through Grief. And it's a great set if you're looking for a way to reach out to people who are grieving. Um, It's a faith-based series. And you get a book shortly after your loved one dies at three months, six months, and then at 11 months, just before that year. And I really was comforted by those books. I was also being so supported by my church, who was journeying with me, that I asked if I could start a grief ministry at the church that I attend so that I could pay back and start sending families in our church that same series of books. Four years into doing that, I realized I really wanted to do more. And that's when I chose to be trained as a grief recovery specialist. And that was in 2018. Um, And so I did that. Um, It allows me to do group as well as one-to-one education 
sometimes we use the word counseling, but I like to be careful because I'm not a licensed counselor. It's really just trying to help people understand what grief is and then why do we react to it in certain ways and how might we change our response to grief? Um, two years ago, about the time that you started this podcast, I wanted to expand on how I reached out to people. Because one of the things we're taught is to be strong, if I share that I can offer grief support, a lot of people, especially dads, say, I don't need that. I'm strong. Be strong. Um, and so I wanted to look for a different way to connect with people. And I started a personal blog. I have a Facebook page, which is Learn to Laugh Again. And I launched that in August of 2021. Um, I was married in August, so it's always a kind of recurrent anniversary time for me with a lot of triggers. And the Learn to Laugh Again is really a tribute to my husband because the last thing he asked of me was to be happy after he was gone to, to work on that. So that's my history of how I began to spend so much time talking about grief and working with others. How was your first Christmas season, though, after he died? Um, you know, I don't know that I really remember sometimes. And one of the things that I'll just mention is grief is not linear. It's not like today I'll be really, really grieving and tomorrow I'll be a little bit better and the next day a little bit better than that. It's really um, circular. It's, it's not a linear experience. So I may find that this year I'm feeling as sad as I did the first year that Deck was gone. Yeah. You debunked a myth for me when we were talking about this even just a couple of days ago, that there aren't really stages of grief because we hear that. I actually just, it's funny. We had that conversation and as we all know, our phones listen to us. I'm sure that I'm sure that's the case because literally later that night, I look up and this I have a, an Instagram post or something, and and it's all about the third stage of grief. You know, is depression, and I, and I was like, wait a second, but my aunt just said there aren't really stages of grief. That's a myth. So, so what? Debunk that myth. So it's not linear. There aren't really stages of grief. It's cycles, and and you could experience it differently, even when you think you're maybe in a healthier place. Maybe that's not the right way, way to say it, but but you've moved through some things and then it it rears its ugly head again years later, perhaps. And so talk about that. Talk about the cycles of grief and what people can experience, especially if the loss, as men are listening to this, is fairly fresh and new. Well, going back to the stages of grief, we do hear that, that and read that often. And that may bring, bring some people comfort, but I try. I debunk it because it is so linear and also it started to be by Kubler-Ross to be a response to how someone reacts to, uh, to death and when, when they start to go through that journey of dying. And that is a more linear experience. Um, but we talk, well, let me go back and just define grief. Yeah, because let's do that. We, we're talking a lot about um, the loss of an individual, but I like to think of grief 
first of all, to normalize it. It's normal and a natural reaction to change or loss of any kind. So that could be your grandma, your grandpa, your spouse, uh, your coworker, but it can also be the response you have to the death of a pet or to the death of hopes and dreams. So grief is a normal and natural reaction that we all feel. And when we started, you said you were identifying that you have some grief. And of course you do. And Perry has grief too. We are all grievers when we start to really define what grief is. And the second definition is grief is the response to any end or change to a familiar pattern of behavior. And that would explain why we feel sad and have an emotional reaction or grief to moving, even graduation, a child being bullied, or a parent missing. You know, your parent doesn't need to be dead for a child to grieve when they're traveling for work or have an extended time away from the family, whether that's job or illness in the hospital, or in some cases, incarceration. So we are all grievers, and grief is a normal response um, to that change that's going on. And it's it's important to hear you say that because I think as men sometimes we almost don't want to admit those feelings. We don't want to even acknowledge maybe that we are experiencing grief. And I want to talk about symptoms of grief, how we can identify it in ourselves and potentially our kids that we are or aren't grieving. I thought I would just use this opportunity to share what I had in mind that I identified in my own experience because I like your second definition. When I first got married, in looking back at it, right, we have our childhood traditions, our family traditions of Christmas growing up that you look forward to and it's the things that you do and even you go off to college, but I still would always come home for Christmas and and then I got married for the first time and <laughs> the only time. <laughs> uh, but no, but, but then I got married and her family does things differently. And in a perfect world, you, you would split Christmases. This year it's with my family, next year it's with your family. But the point is, it's no longer always with my family and it's not always the way it's going to be. And I remember the first time spending Christmas with her family. As great as it was and as welcoming as they were to me and as joyous as it should have been, I was thinking about what I was missing out on with my family and I wasn't with my mom that Christmas and and it stifled my ability to live in the fullness of the joy that I should have been experiencing that Christmas season simply because things were different. And that's how you defined it was... You can grieve things that have changed, anything that's – maybe you're listening to this and your family has moved and you're in a new location. Your kids are going to be experiencing Christmas in a different home for the very first time. Well, that's still lost. That's still changed. That's still different. And we need to be able to identify that, acknowledge that, say, okay, it's it's normal. It's perfectly fine that we moved as a family. But that still may surface some things in our kids specifically, for example, that we have to understand they might be going through because difference – is something that we can grieve. It, it, it certainly is. When I'm talking with grievers at the beginning of any session that I do with them, 
I try to have them imagine a backpack that they're carrying and that the only time that we're not a griever is when we first come into this world as a brand new baby. There's nothing in our backpack, but that doesn't last that long because even babies start to fill their backpack. They lose their binkies, their blanket is lost, that special security uh, snuggle that they may have been carrying around. And then they might experience a pet loss or the moving that you mentioned. Um, there's some children who experience family insecurities, a divorce in the family, um, I mentioned incarceration, or it can be grief for a child even when a new sibling comes in That's to the point. family yeah, because point. there's a, sh a shift in attention. Um, financial loss. You know, the economy is bumpy right now. And financial loss that a parent might be experienced because of a job change or just inflation also can show up a grief. So what we're really doing, all of us as we go through life, is filling our backpacks with different loss experiences. And that's that's normal. And that's part of what we as parents and your audience as dads want to realize and be able to comfort their children that, you know, that did hurt. And but that is a normal response. And then start to um, ask questions, listen to what they're experiencing, and be reassuring to them. But we have to be taught that. What I'm hearing you say right there is we have to explain that to our kids. It helps for us to understand it first, which is great while we're having you on the show to make sure that we as dads can understand this process fully. Uh, or as fully as possible, but we need to explain it to our kids and tell them that it's normal and and to validate those feelings or emotions. I think oftentimes it's easy for us to say, "Oh, it's you know whatever, whatever happened, it's not that big of a deal. Shake it off, you know, whatever." And so that's kind of doing the opposite of what we want to be doing, and that is kind of diminishing or minimalizing that emotion or that feeling of loss and grief. Whereas what I'm hearing you say is what we really want to be doing is to validate those feelings and to express uh, understanding and acceptance and say this is normal, I, you know, uh, and, and once we can validate those feelings, um, that's going to, I can only assume, help the child process that emotion and actually live through it and experience it. And then you can move past it versus just have it be diminished and kind of swept under the rug, invalidated, whatever, then that's not really the healthy way to process those feelings and emotions. And what I share when I'm um, talking about grief is unless we get a new toolbox, like the grief recovery method that I teach, all of us teach our children what we learned. That's your point of reference or how your family responds to grief. And, and if I can take a minute, we call it myths and misinformation about grief. And I think as I 
label some of these. They'll sound very familiar to you. But we often tell children, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Let's go get a uh, Let's go get something at McDonald's. In fact, they even call it a happy meal there. We, we, <laughs> we dismiss their feelings of loss and we teach them to yeah. bury it. Um, and so that's, the, that's just so natural as parents to encourage our children not to feel bad rather than to acknowledge that in life we will feel bad and we will have disappointments and not to dismiss their emotion is inappropriate um, or unacceptable. We also teach children that you can replace the loss. So how often have you seen someone have a dog die and one of the solutions is we'll get another one. We can, right. we'll, we'll go this weekend and we'll get an, another dog instead of taking some time to really feel that emotion and, um, and verbalize it and acknowledge it. Your children are getting older, Perry, and I don't know if they're having little sweethearts at this time or not, but the first time <laughs> a child has uh, a heartache yeah. over um, a, a childhood romance, we tell them, don't worry about it. There's more fish in the sea. <laughs> that wasn't even an important re relationship. So we, we start by telling children, don't feel bad. And then we have a tendency to tell them you can replace the loss. Crying is also, this is the third myth or misunderstanding. I think we have a tendency to automatically give someone a Kleenex and tell them not to cry. And uh, at the same time, we're telling them not to feel bad. And if they, and what we're really doing is saying suppress your feelings. And if they can't suppress their feelings, how often have you heard someone say, well, if you're going to cry, then just go to your room and cry it out. And again, that they have to hide their feelings. I think there probably every dad who listens to your podcast has a feeling that they need to be strong. Yeah. And that's that just starts at the very beginning when a father loss occurs. It's we often hear the family member say, Now, Junior, you're gonna have to you're the man at the house now. You're gonna need to be strong for mom. And we learn that conditioning that being strong is a solution to helping others. Keeping busy, you know, steamroll over those emotions and feelings, just keep so busy, you'll get through it. And all that does is really exhaust you. It's not, again, taking the time to process the feelings that you have. Um, and, and the stages of grief, we believe you know, a lot of people think it's linear and it and it's not. There, every grief journey is different, and how long it takes is different for each person. But as a dad, it's important to remember that it's different for each one of your children. So, if one of your parents has died, and so grandma or grandpa isn't going to be part of the celebration, if you have 
four children, as you both do, not every child is going to feel or exhibit their grief in the same way. So it's, um, and time doesn't heal all wounds. So whether it was my first Christmas, Brett, or this Christmas, it's not, um, it's not that relevant to to how I'm feeling. Well, and I'm curious then how you prepare for it. So I want to talk about tangible things that we can do, how as fathers we can plan for the upcoming holiday season. And I know we're already closer to Christmas than we probably should be having this episode, right? It would have been great to have this conversation even before Thanksgiving, but but here we are and there's still some planning and forethought and preparation that men can do. Let's settle on that last thing you said real quick though. How can we identify that our kids might be experience, experiencing grief uh, perhaps in ways that we didn't even realize. Maybe maybe something we didn't think was a big deal is a big deal to them. What are some signs to be on the lookout for that we can then be sensitive to with our kids? Yeah, particularly kids exhibit grief differently than we might as adults. Um, grief causes a lot of energy in us. And so we're seeking ways to relieve that energy. In fact, we even have a name for it in grief recovery called STURBS, and they're short-term energy relievers. But they can be gaming. Your child might be isolating themselves more and, and addressing their pain by spending more time on a computer and gaming. You might see them exhibit more irritation, a short fuse um, as well. They So anger, sometimes children will run away when they want to remove themselves from a situation. Um, cell phone scrolling is right there with gaming. They might also be uh, eating differently, from not eating at all to overeating. Those are just a, a few examples. But you, you know your children, and when you see a change in their behavior that you might not normally think as grief, it's a good time to talk with them and, and ask what's going on. And then when you're talking about what's going on, if you say, is anything bothering you? The natural reaction is no. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm okay. So one of the things that when I treat helping, ch- when I teach helping children with loss, is the responsibility for a dad not necessarily to be strong, but to to go first and expressing your feelings. How are you feeling about the holidays? How are you feeling about the loss? And bringing that into a conversation, I'm, you know, you you might say to your child, "I've been really thinking how different it's going to be this year without grandma, um, and without grandma's cookies." And I'm feeling really sad about that. Just that simple start of expressing how you're feeling gives an opportunity and a safe space for the child to talk about how they're feeling or what are you thinking about will be different this year. And 
uncovering what that child is thinking and worrying about is a, a really strong way to figure out what what your child is experiencing with grief. Yeah, that's huge. And what I'm hearing you say is the way to be strong in that situation is to actually open up and share your feelings and be vulnerable. And so I think there is a reality that we as dads need to be strong. I think that's true. But I think on a deeper level, maybe uh, what needs to happen is our definition of strength needs to get reframed um, in a lot of areas. And so that's something I just wanted to kind of point out there that being strong in this instance is through being vulnerable and uh, emotionally engaged with your kids in a in a authentic and transparent way. Exactly. And to take it one step further, I think what you said, Perry, is exactly right. A lot of time we think strength means pushing down our own feelings so that our kids don't see us as vulnerable, as as weak, as troubled by the situation. But that to me sounds like the worst thing to do would be to go through the holiday season as if nothing were different, as if nothing's wrong, almost pretending it didn't happen. Let me be quote unquote strong and not really even acknowledge that grandma's not going to be with us this Christmas because maybe if I pretend it didn't happen, my kids won't notice. Like, no, no, you know, no, right? So, yeah. so we need to do the exact opposite. So share, share some practical, tangible things we can and should do. You talked about having a conversation, something simple where we initiate the conversation. Hey, you know, you know, buddy, it probably will be a little bit different this year. It's going to be really weird coming down for Christmas morning, and Grandma's not going to be there. You know, that, that's making me really sad when I think about that. I know that's probably going to be hard a few days from now. Maybe that opens up a conversation. I know when we lost Willow a few years ago now. Uh, we, we had a stocking made for her and we still hang that stocking and we made a little ceremony of that. Melanie took the lead on that, uh, which was her right to do. But I can imagine fathers doing something similar in different situations where it's like, hey, but she was a part of our family. We're going to be very sad every Christmas for the rest of our lives that she's not here, but we're going to remember her with this stocking hanging on the on the mantle with all of the rest of ours. And so, so what are some other tangible, perhaps actionable things that fathers can do and initiate to not sweep it under the rug, but acknowledge that the loss has happened, the grief is here, things are different, we're in a new location because we moved as a family, like whatever's different to acknowledge that and help steer our families through that. Um, you're touching on what I consider really the first and most fundamental is planning how the holiday will be different. In fact, I took the acronym of peace at the holidays and broke it into different pieces. And plan ahead is an important part of what you as a parent, as a father, can do. Um, think about the traditions, as you just mentioned, coming down. But there's also could be, who's going to say grace at the table this year? If that was always the your grandma's responsibility or uh, grandpa's, that that's not going to happen this year. So think ahead. And ask a person, would you like to say grace this year in honor of granddad? Um, use a person's name often. As you 
and Melanie do with uh, saying Willow's name. Because it's not, we think, oh, we can't mention someone's name. It'll make them sad. That person hasn't forgotten. The other people have not forgotten who they lost. And from an example for me, I love it when people tell stories about my husband, Deck. It is the best gift that they can give to me. Um, Thinking about even if someone in your house traditionally would read the night before Christmas. I think of your dad, yes. Brett, with that. I I remember, or in my memory, I thought that that was Paul's responsibility to do that. And, and that would not be happening this year. So who is going to be asked to read the night before Christmas? Who's going to sit in grandpa's chair or um, those things? So I call it planning ahead. Think about what you traditionally do. Think about the days, the activities. And if something is going to be particularly different, make a different plan. And I remind people, whatever that plan is, it doesn't have to be forever. It's just really what you need for this year to get through. And and for some, that means doing a different holiday tree. Uh, maybe you don't make cookies this year because it's too hard without, um, I keep using the example of grandma, but that's kind of the age groups that you're <laughs> in, or, or sending cards. Plan what you think will work for you and your family or engage your children in that planning also. So that's, that's the beginning of the word peace. And, and that's what the planning part is. Yeah, let's keep going through this. I love you and I are very similar thinkers. I love I love having the the acronym in this case to help us remember and think about what we should be thinking about. So P E A C E, P for planning. What does the E stand for? Well, remembering that grief takes a lot of energy, and uh, so do the holidays because so much is packed into it. So plan carefully for rest and what activities could you reduce or take off of your calendar this year. Just acknowledge that and expect that you might be really exhausted, more so than you normally would be on a holiday. Um, And be selective about how you pace yourself and, and work in extra breaks for yourself so you can be that father figure and also uh, for your children. The A is accept invitations and activities. Because you're in a sense of grief as a family, doesn't mean that you shouldn't also have joy. Joy and grief are to be expected in our life. And it's okay to be happy and have laughter on the holidays. You're not betraying the person who has left um, left us. So A is accept invitations. And, you know, for me, that was hard to say, oh, yes, I'll come to your holiday party because now he's going as a single person and not as a couple, and particularly if it was all my friends who still have their spouses. So I had to work really hard on accepting invitations 
and um, and then how I might do that differently than before. If we could settle here for just a moment longer, the this goes back to my Hallmark movies analogy, right? That it's a it would be a tendency to dissociate, to go inward, to close yourself off, to not participate. And so you're saying. No, absolutely participate, even if it's a little uncomfortable, even if you don't feel like it, we still sometimes need to say yes to put ourselves in those situations. Um, what about for our kids, though? Uh, is it Do we want to keep our kids busy? Because I know you had flashed the warning sign that busyness, uh, planning too, or doing too much is sometimes not the way to go. And yet we want to make sure our kids are still having fun and let's take them ice skating and let's, do we want to keep our kids busy or what do they need in terms of their energy and rest perhaps where they, they're going to be feeling and experiencing grief differently than we would as adults? Well, again, remembering that grief is a heart issue and not a head issue. And it's not the same for everyone, and it's not the same for all of your children. So thinking about and being selective, what you uh, accept, because you go ice skating every year doesn't mean that maybe people have the energy for doing it this year. Or, Perry, with you having older children, maybe two out of the four don't want to do that at all. And being sure. able to individualize your plan differently for your children. It, it may be too hard for everybody to do it. Yeah, that, that's helpful for me to hear because my mindset would be, we're all going, we're doing this as a family, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like dragging, you're going to have fun whether you want to or not. Wow, <laughs> right through it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I will um, make you have joy this holiday season. Is it okay to let... So let's talk about the – well, I want to finish the P-E-A-C-E, but but I also want to talk about this. It's like, is the goal to make our kids have joy, help them experience joy because you can't make them do it? Is is the goal for them still to have the best Christmas ever or is it okay perhaps the first year after serious loss to have a little bit of a melancholy Christmas? W- what should the emotions that we're trying to – nurture in our kids and even ourselves during the holiday season be? Well, I'd be cautious any time of trying to build the best Christmas ever because we're trying to create expectations. And and really, when you get a larger family and people are on different pages and experiencing uh, different emotions, So, no, I don't think you try to say this is going to be the best or that this is going to be the worst. It's just actively planning to get in touch with your children and how they're feeling this Christmas and what are they looking forward to. And and you being able to, again, model going first in that experience and in that discussion. and then. We have a symbol that I draw on the whiteboard of a heart, and then there's two ears on each side, and we encourage uh, people to be a big heart with ears. So it's a lot, Brett, of creating a scenario where we listen to our children, 
and open a door for them to express their emotions and what what sounds good to them. And it's not to say, you know, you can't guide them and encourage them and share with them why you really would like all of the family to go together. But then we need to pause and hear how the children are feeling about it. They might have never liked that ice skating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should not know. You know, A, when um, I say accept being happy, it's also accept help from others. You may have a neighbor or a buddy who will say, hey, we're doing something special this uh, Christmas. Could we, we're, we're going to a show or a concert and, and asks if one of your children can go along with them. And, and I encourage people to accept help from friends in addition to accepting invitations. It's a counter to that, I have to be strong and I have to be in control of everything, which again is, you know, something been taught. Uh, moving on to the C yes. is, again, to create new traditions and rituals. They can be to you know, honor someone. This is an adult example, but uh, my husband, early in his life as an adult, he drank alcohol, but he learned over time that he didn't really like how he felt. And so he began uh, to uh, the rest of his life not to have um, alcoholic beverages. But he would have an O'Doul's. And so what be has become a new tradition when I'm out with my family for a holiday celebration, or if I've been out with his friends, fraternity brothers, and I get asked along for um, a dinner out, they always order an O'Doul's and just have it sitting on the table as a reminder of deck not being there. You could translate that to something that um, the person who you're missing always enjoyed. And I sometimes, if I have a big family gathering, we put a candle at an empty place on the table and talk about that we're, that's our tradition to remember those who are no longer with us. So being able to create some new traditions is also helpful. And then the E piece, so P-E-A-C, and then the final E, uh, what does that stand for? It means explain after you put your plan together to everybody who wants to help you, but they might think you should be doing it differently. Explain to them that you have thought through the holiday. And this is what the plan is for you, or in your case, the plan for your family, and that you are intentional about it and thank people for their help. But, but this year, we're going to do it a little bit differently. And being able to communicate, and that's communication between you and your, your wife and partner also, that you're in agreement and have communicated with each other on what you what's important to you for the holidays. Um, and then I also 
remind people at this time when we're communicating, it's important to say the loved one's name and talk about them as if they're in the room. I find that very comforting. So that's that's how I plan uh, to have peace at the holidays is, you know, planning, accepting help, accepting invitations, knowing I might also have not only low energy, but unexpected emotions, and that that's acceptable, creating new traditions, and then explaining to your family and friends what you can and can't do and and how you're going to spend your holidays. Yeah, I wish we had had this conversation, like I said, about a month ago. I feel like we didn't do a great job. So uh, dynamics have changed within our family as well, thinking about the grief piece. Sometimes you can even grieve people who are still with you, but going through health challenges, again, it goes back to your definition of things are different. Anytime things are different and somebody, a member of your family perhaps, can't show up the way he or she has historically that that changes dynamics and there's an element of grief there and i know this year at thanksgiving you know our family did not attend the large family gathering as we normally do and and we didn't really explain that well to people i don't think why we had made that decision not to do that and to do things a little bit different and so so i think that last piece of the puzzle that you just said is huge and it just reemphasizes i think the theme that we've been talking about or at least that i'm gleaning from this conversation, which is that communication matters. That That's the key is to be willing to verbalize what you're feeling, understand what your kids might be feeling, open up the door to have conversation around it, not to brush stuff under the rug, not to pretend things aren't different, not to pretend you're not grieving, but to, to hit it head on in a respectful, loving, caring way, be empathetic to the needs of our family and be willing to say some things, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable for us. Yes, that. And Chris, uh, Thanksgiving was a time of grief as well as joy for your family. Yes. Uh, You celebrated in a different way, but because you normally gather with my family and this town and all of our families together, we felt grief also in you not being with us as traditionally you would be adults understood the reason, but sometimes we fail as parents to take the time to explain to the children who were so excited thinking their cousins would be there, their buddy that they play with, and then they didn't show up. So planning ahead of time to get that communication through to everyone is important. And again, emphasizing go first, I'm really sad we're not going to be going to Thanksgiving in Ohio. Here's what we're going to do instead, but this is how I'm feeling about it. And then letting your kids talk about how they are feeling. And I had shared this story with you, but I'll share it here as well. Uh, my my four year old was exactly that. He was anticipatory about playing with one of his cousins, in particular at Thanksgiving, and and he was he was sad when he found out we weren't going to be going. And I tried to explain the reason why, and he was like, "It's okay, we can still just get together with him, right, for just a, a play date this weekend." And I'm thinking to myself, "That's like an <laughs> eight hour drive. I'm not, you know, I'm not driving you eight hours just so you can play with his cousin that uh, that we're missing out on at Thanksgiving." <laughs> Yeah. Uh, 
the other thing, I make it sound like it's just easy to talk with kids about hard topics, and I know that it's not. So what I like to share are some of the resources or books that I think are particularly helpful to parents to open up that discussion. One of the things often my kids, my grandkids said after Deck died is they would look up and ask me what was heaven like, or they would say, do you think that Decker's watching us? How does that happen? Hmm. And, you know, you'll get at, when you start talking with children about death, you'll get asked surprising questions. My initial response was to start crying hysterical (laughs) with those. But what I learned, and I'll pass this on as a little advice, is take a breath and say, you know, I don't know exactly. What do you think? And that gives you time yourself as a dad to be thinking through and processing what the question is. But even better is to hear what the child is thinking. And they told me they thought that Decker probably had very special binoculars (laughs) that he could see all the way from heaven down to uh, what they were doing. So there's, you know, allow yourself to hear what the child is saying for two reasons, including wiping a tear from your eye when you're asked that. But there's also like a small, simple book, Water Bugs and Dragonflies. And I'll, I'll provide you with a, a list of these. It uses a common example of water bugs and dragonflies and when their life changes from being a water bug to a dragonfly, um, how their experience changes as well. And it's very easy to say, maybe heaven is like that. It's so beautiful on the other side. And, and though they'd like to come back, they're not in the right form to do that now. So there are books that will help you start those conversations. And one of my favorites, too, and you can't see this on the podcast, but is a book called The Memory Book, a book about grief. And it walks you through helping a child talk about their memories, collect things that are important to them about the person that they've lost. And it could also be a friend. It doesn't necessarily mean uh Uh, a parent or grandparent, it could be a place that they had to say goodbye to, but you can create a memory box together of collecting things that remind them of what they said goodbye to. Um, And it just then becomes an activity that you can do with the child as well. And anticipating the loss of someone when someone has a serious illness, is the book, The Invisible String. It's reminding us, I don't know if you're familiar with these books, but it builds a story of between a mother and a child uh, or friends, that there's an invisible string between us of love. And it, it builds a story of that, and that that doesn't break when somebody 
dies, that you will continue to have that string or connection of love forever. And I think books written well help us with the words that we need to talk to children and, again, make it a safe space for them. Thank you for those recommendations. And I'll certainly put links to all of those in the show notes below. If you want to share that list that you had talked about, we'll definitely make sure listeners can tap into that. One thing you said as we as we think about wrapping up this conversation, which has been incredibly helpful, I think, and eye-opening for me in a lot of ways, uh, are there are there Christmas presents that would make sense as we're we're working towards Christmas to help our kids process through some of this? And I think about the need for all of us really to express what we're feeling. For some, that might be writing. Would a journal be an appropriate gift? You had talked about a memory book. Would that be an appropriate gift to give to us as a family for Christmas? Uh, A paint set and a pad of paper for our artistic child who might need to get some emotions out in a way that they're not great at verbalizing. Is that appropriate? Would it be weird to say, hey, here's why you got this gift, son, because I want you to journal all of your deep (laughs) internal thoughts. Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about Christmas gifts at the time of this recording around this or, or, or no. Well, in the healing process that I teach in grief recovery, there is a written part at it that it's important as we're thinking of uh, the relationships that have changed is and this happens with children just as much, how do we break down those feelings we have? And they often go into three categories, apologies, like, Grandma, I'm so sorry when I visited you that I broke your vase. And that might seem unimportant to us, but that child might still be harboring disappointment and fear and uh, sadness that they broke something at their grandma's house the last time they were there. Um, So apologies or forgiving someone, a friend that you're missing and say, you know, I forgive that you always took my lunch (laughs) at school. There's just, we, we encourage people to think about those happy and sad times and then they can start to write it in a journal or in a letter that they place in the memory box. And strong feelings can be written down as well. Just, I always love the way you made chocolate chip cookies for me. It's expressing what's in the heart and getting it written down or doing a picture is a really healing way of doing it. Communicating to the child now, you have to use it this way, is probably not as effective as suggesting how you're going to use it or your thoughts on, I like to write down my memories of my dad or my husband, and what are your memories? From a gift standpoint, I think Shutterfly is one of the best things ever for healing. I made a book, a Thanksgiving book from the last Thanksgiving, where deck was part of our big family gathering. And, and that is so healing for me because we were able to fill it with pictures that he was in and enjoying the joy. But we were also able to put in his favorite scripture during that time. And also, I wrote out uh, part of the prayer 
that he shared with us. So Shutterfly allows you to make make books and you could create that together. What pictures do you like the best? Let's put these in. What advice do you always remember him giving us? And 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 build that together. So I you know, you really seem to have an intuition towards this by the things that you've uh suggested. But we all get busy, so making it a priority to get it on the calendar as part of helping your child through this any period. And and we're focusing on the holidays, but this happens with any holiday, this happens with any change in life, going back to to what grief is. It's not just restricted to to this time of the year. Yeah, that's right. And I'll share a quick story as we're wrapping up uh, of one thing we did this past summer, or actually it's been two summers ago now, really, it all goes so fast. But anyway, two summers ago, we lost our dog and she ran off and um, we never found her. And so that brought a whole new element of loss and grief with the kids because there was this uh, lack of closure, you know. Um, and so one of the things that this was Nancy, my wife's suggestion is that we, she, myself and all the kids all went outside one day and we found river rocks and we took paint and we just painted on the river rocks. Some of us just painted colors. Some of us painted little scenes, painted whatever. And then we found places in our uh, landscaping that we could kind of just set those rocks in the landscaping. And so there were little reminders and kind of honor and tribute um, to our dog, our pet, you know, our, our loved one. And uh, I feel like that was a really um, powerful experience, not only for me, but for the kids as well. And it created that a tribute and then b that kind of, I think it helped that reality of having some type of um, closure experience in some way, because we weren't able to, you know, bury the dog, you know, or something else that would normally happen. Um, so it kind of served as that, um, ceremony as well as expression. You, you were normalizing that this happened and, um, and allowed you and your children to do an activity together to acknowledge that the your dog was really important to you and that you miss them and think about how much more impactful that is than what we might have been taught over the years of oh don't feel sad let's we can get another dog that so you really did many of the steps that we recommend in grief recovering and grief recovery and healing by by acknowledging that it was painful yeah and and sometimes as you say unanswered elements of it as well which is a different layer of the pain <laughs> what really happened maybe you know so i think you did a good job as a father perry thanks <laughs> well this this was my wife's idea so um she gets the credit for that but uh I certainly was fully there and engaged and participatory and believed at the time it was a great idea. So she thought of it and then we kind of implemented it together. So yeah, you didn't stay home from that. 
Right. That's right. You showed up. That's right. I did. He was, if dare I say, faithful as a father during That's that right. process. Um, That's right. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Lois Ann, for showing up as always and and really helping to educate us. I love that. That's really. The core element of what you did do is that the more we understand, the better we can show up, in this case as fathers, for our families, understanding more of what grief is all about. And and I'll just give you sort of the final the final words, any final thoughts you might want to share with fathers who are going through this holiday season. One of the things I always remind myself is that Christmas is going to come one way or the other. Like we're going to be on the other side of the holidays one way or the other. How do I want to have shown up? What, you know, what do I want that to look like? And we can't always create the ideal as you suggested, but, but just any final encouragement for fathers at the front end of the Christmas season, thinking about how to handle any grief that they might be experiencing this holiday season. You know, the, there's this quote from Fred Rogers that I like, and um, it reinforces the myth of be strong, that that is not a healthy response. Um, and Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers said, people have said, don't cry to other people for years. And all it has ever meant is, I'm too uncomfortable when you show your feelings. Don't cry. I'd rather have them say, go ahead and cry. I'm here to be with you. And so being with your children, allowing yourself to have those sweet memories rolling down your cheeks and allowing your children to see how you express emotion and sadness I, I think it's the most important thing you can do at the holidays, in any grief situation, and just in general as dads when you're leading your family is share your emotion and make it normal for your children to show theirs. That's beautiful. Thank you for for sharing everything. Thank you for being here today. And one thing I want to throw out as an additional encouragement to dads um, is that, you know, maybe you're sitting here listening to this podcast and you don't think of some direct grief in your own life. Maybe you're thinking, oh, my grandmother's still here. My grandfather's still here. I haven't ever lost a child. I haven't lost a spouse, right? But um, if that's you, thank you for sticking with us in this podcast. But my encouragement to you as the listener who doesn't necessarily have a significant uh, loss in your life right now, I'm sure you know someone that does. Because as we're talking through this topic, there were multiple uh, family, friends, loved ones that came into my mind that I know a good friend of mine just lost his uh, grandmother this you know past uh, year. Uh, I've got a great family, friends who are uh, walking through battling cancer right now. And we've got multiple people that I know are experiencing grief in a significant way, whether that be the loss of a loved one or something's just different this year. And so I'm excited to share this episode with my loved ones who I believe are walking through some hard times. And so that's my encouragement to you, uh, faithful father, to you, listener. Um, think about someone that might 
really benefit from hearing this message and uh, just reach out lovingly and share a podcast with them. And and I think that'll be a a great way to, to support and encourage and love your loved ones this season as they're walking through something difficult or different um, than they have before. With that, we will wrap up this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. Thank you again, Lois Ann, for showing up, for sharing your wisdom and your expertise, for stories to help us navigate grief during the holiday season. And if you would like to connect with Lois Ann, highly encourage you to check out her Facebook page that she referenced earlier, Learn to Laugh Again. I'll provide a link to that in the show notes below as well. It's really, really encouraging. And I know she has a heart for helping people walk through their grief journey. So don't hesitate to reach out to her. It is my heart that you have as joyous a holiday season as possible, which I acknowledge may be harder for you this holiday season than in seasons past. So hopefully you have learned some things and been encouraged on this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast to help you there. Uh, But we will sign off for now and look forward to being with you again soon, as always, here on the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. Take care, everyone. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a 